five passengers get on a Genesis sightseeing helicopter to see the sights of Hawaii when something goes wrong when they're almost back at the airport. What caused this flight to fall straight down into the ocean? Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. Hey. Hello. Hello. We're a disaster, like always. We're a disaster. Welcome back to the Disaster Podcast. Yes. It has nothing to do with the actual disasters, and 100% that has to do with our absolute <laughs> show of life. Yes. I got so sick. And then someone got me sick. Yes, but you, you <clears throat> thankfully didn't get anywhere near what I've had, because this was bad. This was rough. So that, yeah. that being said. That being said. We're behind again. Yep. Just just, back, just as we got just caught as up. we got caught up. Literally like we were just caught up and my body was like, hey, screw you now. You thought you got a break. And then we were going <laughs> to catch up. And so this is going to be a short episode. Sorry. We're... It is. It's actually just kind of naturally a short episode because of the report and things. We kind of realized in hindsight this maybe should have been a mini-sode. It's too late now. It's too late now. It's still kind of interesting, so... But I... next week will not be short, so... No, next It'll week will be... It'll be one that a lot of people want to listen to. Yes, it is. It's one that's been requested a few times over because it happened in the relative recent past. No, it's not the Max. No, it is not. It's not that big. No, it's not MH370. No, it's not that big either, but... We can't cover MH370 until they find out what happened to the airport. Yeah, pretty much. We don't have anything to go on. There's no factual information... Other than and a very point, little bit. Are they going to actually find the airplane? Probably yeah. not. Well, you know, someday they will. But by the time it's they not that, today. In our lifetime. Right. The, the unfortunate thing is by the time they actually do find the airplane, it's not going to be worth much. It's not going to be worth much. There's not going to be much information there. So do we want to answer the trivia questions on this episode? I think we probably should. OK, we'll do that for April's newsletter. Yeah. Uh, We'll answer those questions on this episode since it's going to be really short. Yes. And there's one question, which I'm pretty sure we answered, but I don't remember. So yes, we'll do that question too. Yes, that's fair. To fill in some time. Because in hindsight, this report had no findings and no recommendations. Okay. Okay. So yes, I was horribly sick (laughs) for a short period of time. The last two weeks, basically. Still recovering. Still very much recovering. Nasty viral infection turned bacterial infection had me on the couch. Dying. For an entire week. I am so glad I can work from home because that was a miserable experience. I went to urgent care three separate times because my I couldn't hear anything. It's a miracle. Like, I, I have my hearing back now, but my I had two nasty ear infections, eye infections, everything, the whole lot, and I did everything everything to try to start making it go the right direction and it took four days for it to start going down instead of getting worse i just i just couldn't believe it like we did everything like change sheets i was showering all the time like drinking tea soup hot and cold compresses and taking literally a dozen different medications and going to urgent care and like it just was so exhausting so to finally be human again has been nice (laughs) for the last few days all right Well, with that being said, since it's such a short episode, what are we covering today, Nick? Today, we are covering November 80918. For those that really want it, November 80918. 
when you have to be bougie. Yes. Because you want to say niner instead of nine. Niner. Thank you to our patron, Aliska, for recommending this. Pretty sure you're a patron. I think so. She is. Yes. Okay. Thanks. As far as I'm aware. If you're not anymore, thank you for being a listener. Thanks. And, and thanks I'm for... 90% sure you're still a patron. Yes. And thanks for recommending this. I can't keep track of you all now. There's too many of you, which is a good problem to have. Yes, it is a good problem to have. Appreciate it. This accident occurred on February 18th of 2016. So relatively recent. Pretty recent, yeah. This was a Bell 206B. So yes, we are talking about a helicopter again. Again. The Bell 206B is one of the absolute most common types of helicopter on the planet and has been for a very long time. They still make versions of the 206B. Now, granted, they're very modern, updated. They're nice, but it's still essentially the same helicopter underneath. And the 206B has been used since basically Vietnam, the Vietnam War. They were used as just movement helicopters. They really couldn't be used in combat because they don't really have any kind of carrying capability. So they've been used over the years for medical transport, for movies, and for, you name it, news helicopters. I think our news helicopter is one, right? Not anymore, I don't think, because I think they've gotten more into the Eurocopter market. But I'm going to look it up just to prove you wrong. But it used to be a Bell. There's a few other versions of the Bell that all look very similar and have been. Some of them have more horsepower, some of them have less horsepower, some a little bit bigger inside. Damn it, you're right. The 206B is a small helicopter, though, all things considered, for being an air tour helicopter, which is what we're talking about today, because this is an air tour use helicopter. Okay. In Hawaii. It's being operated by Genesis Helicopters in this story. They were operating it under Part 91 Air Tour around Honolulu, from the Honolulu International Airport to the Honolulu International Airport, just as a round trip. Do you want me to read the two tours that were offered by Genesis? You certainly can. And then I will explain a little bit about how this works. So my resource for this is now the defunct Groupon page for Genesis Helicopters. <laughs> yep. Are they not a thing anymore? They are not. That, that was your spoiler. <laughs> Hmm, I wonder why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Genesis Helicopters gives Oahu's visitors a bird's eye perspective of the idyllic Hawaiian island. The outfit offers two primary tours. The longer Waimea tour, about 60 to 65 minutes, and the Leahi tour, about 20 minutes. On the Waimea tour, the chopper lifts off from Honolulu International Airport before cruising past the ships bobbing in Honolulu Harbor, the volcanic crater at Diamond Head, the Dole Plantation Pineapple Fields, the USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor, and the famous surfers of the North Shore. It's also the only way to see the dramatic Sacred Falls waterfall as the area has been closed to hikers since 1999. The Leahi Tour includes all views of Honolulu Harbor, Waikiki, Diamond Head, Punch Bowl, and Pearl Harbor. For both trips, passengers have the choice of leaving the chopper's doors on or taking them off, which gives them the opportunity to experience the sights without any barriers and to high-five any passing birds. So there you go. Just so you know, yes, that, that's a... Okay, that's, that's an, an interesting thing to say, but yes. all right. We'll get to the whole doors thing in a minute because I know that's a question, but... Yes, this, they were doing the first one of yeah. those two tours, just so you're the kind of aware. The long one. So, as part of this operation, so this is a very traditional operation, essentially. The air tour operation, especially when it comes to helicopters in Hawaii, is, holy crap, there's a lot of them. My parents did one when they went on their mm -hmm. honeymoon. Oh, it's a, it's a very common thing. I mean, a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of I feel like it would be a really cool thing to do. Oh, absolutely. I think it would be phenomenal. I think it would be so much fun. I think it would be really cool. Am I going to like it as much after I hear this episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get there. So 
this was being operated under Part 91, which Part 91 is general aviation as a whole. This is, I mean, Part 91 is the most all-encompassing part. I'm actually kind of surprised this isn't considered Part 135. It is not. A charter? Right. Yeah. Because they're not doing instrument flight plans in any way whatsoever. Gotcha. It is all visual. But aren't they paying? They are, which there are factions of Part 91 that are for hire. Okay. I mean, you can still be a commercial pilot and be operating under Part 91. Part 135 really requires... It's, it's a lot more complicated than that. Don't you have to have a commercial license to do that, though? Yes, correct. And the pilot did. Okay. So this is, this is a commercial operation. Again, Part 91 can still be an air tour. So specifically, they're operating under... Give me just a second and I'll find the right word here. So they're under 14 CFR 91.147, which is air tour flights for compensation for hire. And this requires them to remain within 25 statute miles of their departure point. So that's a big difference between running a charter operation and air tour. Specifically, it's called aerial observation. Right, aerial observation. That's what I was looking for. Aerial observation is a very specific part of Part 91. And that's what they're doing, because that's all this is. It's a VFR aerial observation air tour. And it's not charter, because they are not allowed... staying within a certain distance of the airport. Right, they're not allowed to go beyond 25 miles of their departure point. So... That's what they're doing. Which turns out it's fairly easy to do when your departure point is um, an island. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And that island is not very big. No, it is not. Can't even get 25 miles away from that airport and be over the island anymore. The pilot, I don't have the name, was male. He's 35 years old. At the time, he had 900 hours total, of which 151 hours were on the Bell 206, all of which were gained in the last 90 days. Before this accident. I don't like that. So he was new to the company. It's not necessarily. I mean, you have to start somewhere, right? So. Yeah, but maybe you shouldn't be flying people. 151 hours is okay. Okay. Not all of those is probably with people. (laughs) I imagine the first chunk of that was probably to get experience on the helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. Getting some training on the helicopter and such. I guess I just have high standards. You know, yes. like 1,500-hour standards. Yes, but this is not part 121, so... <laughs> well, Or 135. On. So, how many does he have total? 900. Which and, is, he, and he has a commercial license? Yeah, absolutely. You can get a commercial license at 100 hours. You can? Yes, you can. You just can't fly with the airlines with that much? No, absolutely not. Okay. Can't be 135 or 121 with that. But that allows you to get, like, an instructor rating and make money instructing other pilots, oh. new pilots. All right. So... And just the same, I mean, it allows you... 900 hours is pretty decent for actually a helicopter pilot who's doing air tours. Mm-hmm. I would say that's pretty... It's pretty fair, actually. 900 I mean, hours. Helicopters, you just don't get as many hours. Yeah, as, I'm like, if you're just common. doing this, like, sightseeing tour, let's say you do it twice a day, like, mm-hmm. that's not that many hours. Right? Oh, no, it's gosh, two no. two hours. Yeah, yeah. You if know. you're doing the long one. Right. And right. so if that's the case and you do the math, he's done this route, what, mm-hmm. at least... 900 times? I mean, if, yeah. you, if you count all of those being one hour. Right. I mean, the experience is gained very quickly because this isn't a very long tour and the mm-hmm. same, you know, it, it's pretty standard. So a company flight plan was filed for the tour, not an instrument flight plan. Don't be confused. It's just a company flight plan, which just says, here's the, route here's the plan. Am, here's the VFR route I am taking. It is still important because it does, they're operating in and out of a major international airport with lots of other traffic. Traffic, yeah. So there are actually very specific requirements when you operate in and out of these high traffic 
airspaces and airports, especially that are under, you know, air traffic control rules that require them to use very specific departures and arrivals, even as air tour helicopters, so that they are going in a very controlled fashion to and from the airport. So that's the whole reason the company flight plan was filed, which had them due to depart at 9.35 a.m. With the pilot in the front right seat, which is actually traditional in a helicopter. I know that's weird, but pilots in helicopters are always traditionally front right. Oh. Well, yes, weird too, but front right, front right seat. Don't come for me, I'm being funny. For some reason, helicopters are British, and everything else in aviation is normal. (laughs) Yeah. There was then a passenger in the front left seat, which is traditional in an air tour. Yes, it's kind of weird thinking that there's somebody else in the cockpit. On a lot of these bells, they're modified to only have one stick and collective and set of rudder pedals, and it's usually in the right. That's not to say there isn't in the left. There could be. I don't know about this helicopter, and I didn't really look, nor does it really matter. But it is traditional with air tours to usually put one of the passengers in the front left because this only has five seats. So the other three people that were going on this air tour were in the back in a bench seat. So yeah, total of five seats, just like in a car, normal car, set up pretty much exactly the same way. The pilot and a mechanics assistant pulled the helicopter from the hangar that morning and performed a thorough pre-flight for the first flight of the day. When they pull out a helicopter, Mm -hmm. do they just drag it on the ground? Nope. They have specific little, like, trailers that the helicopters land and take off on that have wheels. Because they can do that. Yes, because they can do that. (laughs) Because helicopters can float. Yep. So usually it's a matter of just wheeling it out. And even if they don't have a trailer, they actually have these fun little things. They just use leverage, but they just are two little wheels and a lever bar, and you stick it underneath the skid and lift the helicopter up. Just by hand, I mean, you just lever down because they're pretty light, and it's just on two wheels all of a sudden on each one of the skids on the back. Learn something new every day. Yes, you do. The pilot then went upstairs to the company office to meet the passengers, the four passengers he would be taking, store their belongings, and show them the safety video, the company safety video for the flight. All pretty standard, because once you get to the helicopter, there's no showing them a video. (laughs) Yeah. You're just hooking up and going. He determined seat positions for the passengers for weight and balance, so usually because these are such small machines, these Bell 206Bs, they weigh each person individually and then determine who sits where based on that in order to That's be not triggering balanced. at all. Well, that's how small these are. They are not big helicopters. I mean, there are smaller helicopters. There are plenty of smaller helicopters. Look up Robinsons. They're tiny. <laughs> and they get smaller than that. But as far as like tour helicopters go, these are, these are small. Small. These are small. Small, small, small. Once weight and balance was determined, and the positions for each one of the passengers was determined, they all went out to the helicopter, where they would board the helicopter in their respective seats, each one of the passengers. He then placed life preservers, since they'd be over water, onto each one of the passengers and helped them secure their seatbelts, since each one of them is a little different, they're in different seats. Do they know how to get out of the seatbelt? I imagine so. I imagine it was probably part of the safety video. That's a good question, though. That is a great question, though. Yeah, if he's fastening it for them, which yes. is great, do they know yes. how to get it out in case of an emergency? I would hope. Which, if it's on this podcast, right. there was an emergency. Yes, and that's a, it's a phenomenal question and is very pertinent, actually. But I imagine it was in the safety video, and I imagine part of him hooking it up is trying to show them how to, how get to out operate it. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just, I I'm would just hope. making sure. I would hope. I would hope they're not just sitting there dull-faced, letting everything happen to them. You know, you <laughs> but, would think that. But, but I never know because people, I don't know. Anyways. You never know. Assume stupidity. <laughs> right. These are Canadians, so we can't assume that they're American-level dumb. 
<laughs> Canadians can still be dumb. Sorry. Out anybody can still Sorry, be dumb. Sorry, Canadians. <laughs> You're way smarter than us. Please don't come for me. <laughs> the pilot then performed one more walk around before entering the helicopter and starting the engines. As is normal with many air tour helicopters, this helicopter was modified to have all four doors removed to allow for the best view and experience for the passengers on a tour. They don't fly very high. They don't fly very fast. They're not going very far. So it's actually pretty normal. They've got these big like five point or four point harnesses usually. Right. And they're they're well strapped in and everything. That's not really a concern. So they remove all four doors, the two forward doors and the two rear doors modified on these helicopters. Makes them really light. Makes the helicopter super light <laughs> when you just don't even have doors. But it does add drag. And I mean, there's wind but, going through the helicopter. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter because they're not flying very fast, very far or anything like that. So, but it's all part of the experience. And that way they've got wide open space to take pictures out of the side of the helicopter. Right. Don't it's, drop your camera. Right. It's a fun thing. <laughs> you can't get it back. And I know this seems crazy, but I mean, really go look it up. There's a lot of air tours that will do the same thing. Not all of them. Many of them still use doors, but <laughs> shortly after starting the engines, they departed the ramp at Honolulu International Airport and proceeded to fly the Shoreline 6 departure procedure, which goes along the southeast shoreline away from Honolulu International Airport along the city front, along the water line, where they would then proceed around from there in order to cross to the east side of the island, which is the island of Oahu, for those that don't know. The pilot continued to fly along the shoreline north before then flying toward Sacred Valley, and then North Shore, which is where they were talking about. They were talking about the surfers and all that. That's the North Shore. They then turned south and flew down Central Valley, which is quite literally just a valley that goes right through the middle of Oahu. They would fly right through that. And over Wheeler Army Airfield. This transitioned them to fly over Pearl Harbor. It was around this time, while flying over Pearl Harbor toward Ford Island, that the pilot noticed a vibration throughout the cabin. That's not good. For those of you who don't know where in relation Pearl Harbor is to Honolulu and the airport and everything, Pearl Harbor is actually very close to the international airport, so they've gone almost all the way around their tour at this point. This is their last stop before going Basically, back to the yes, this would yeah. have been the last stop. They're pretty close back to the international airport. At that time, he decided to return directly to Honolulu International Airport, since they were close by. Yeah. And there was a vibration. Yeah. But just moments after making this decision, while still over Pearl Harbor, the vibration seemingly stopped. So the pilot decided to make a left turn over the USS Arizona Memorial. Since they were still there, they hadn't gone very far. They hadn't been there very long. He just decided to make a quick left turn so that they could see the memorial. Mm. Well, again, shortly thereafter, the vibration started again, at which time the pilot called the air traffic controller at Honolulu International Airport to advise that they would be returning to the airport. Yes. <laughs> The tower instructed the pilot to fly to the prison, yes, there is a prison, between them and the airport, and hold for another inbound helicopter. So basically just fly to that point, hold there, let this other helicopter go by. At the same time, while this air traffic controller was telling them this, the vibration started to turn into a grinding sound and feel. Miranda's face is accurate. Mm-hmm. The main rotor low RPM warning light illuminated as the engine RPM suddenly began to rise. So those are two very different things. One RPM's going down, and the other one's going way up. I do not like. Nope. The pilot lowered the collective lever. The collective lever is how you lift the helicopter up and down. It is not per se throttle. It is torque. It's how you produce torque in the down direction. The controls of a helicopter are quite complicated to explain. We've tried to do this in the past. But the sole purpose of the collective is lift and drop the helicopter. 
I did a really good Miranda suit on it a while ago. Mm -hmm. You should check that out. He did also reduce the throttle, which is usually on the collective. It is a twist handle on the collective. So you would lift to lift the helicopter up, but you turn to increase the throttle, which is how you also produce torque. God, helicopters are confusing. Yes. And the stick in your hand tilts those rotors to make the helicopter twist in different directions. Yaw, roll. Yuck. Pitch. All those things. So helicopters are it's such a different world. The controls so, are so much less. I mean, it's all physics, but it is so much less like, I don't know, easy to understand on the brain, I think, than airplanes. Because helicopters have six degrees of freedom. Yes. So helicopters can go up, down, forward, back, left, right. Yep. In addition to rotating. Right. Pitch up, pitch down. Yep. Rolling yep. and yawing. It can do yep. all six. Right. Whereas normal fixed wing aircraft can pitch, roll, yaw, and forward and back. Not really back, Not back. so much. Just forward. <laughs> I mean, they're more like sharks. Yes. Yeah. They kind of just go forward. Yeah. But they can do one kind of linear displacement, which is forward. Yes, forward. That's the only kind they can. But they can't just like scuttle to the left or scuttle to the right. Right. They also can't just hold still in midair. And they can't just go up <laughs> and down. Right. So that's a thing. So anyways, pilot lowered the collective lever and reduced the throttle. So he is now aiming to put the helicopter on the ground. That is clear. He quickly realized that the engine and the main rotor did not seem to be connected anymore. Get to that in a little bit. He started looking for a place to land the helicopter. He saw a grassy area at the Pearl Harbor Memorial Visitor Center, which is at Ford Island, by the way. He tried to lose altitude a little more quickly than he was previously to make the landing area, but then realized that the USS Arizona Memorial Ferry was docked there and people were offloading from the ferry into the grassy area in which he was trying to land. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, can you imagine you're just trying to go see a memorial and a giant <laughs> helicopter is about to land? Well, it's funny you you're say like, that. Um... Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because there's a video. There's a video? <laughs> Wait, what? We'll get there. <gasps> there's a video. There's a video. There's a video. This was 2016. Of course, there's a video. People are videoing yeah, you, everything. You're right. Already. You're right. So, yes. So, literally the ferry that takes you from the Arizona Memorial just back to land, which is not very far, by the way. Not very far at all was just docked back at land and was letting people off when they were trying to approach and land. He very quickly realized this. At that time, he decided it would be best to land in the water as close to the shoreline as possible to avoid injuring anybody on land. But Good call, close, by the way. Right, but close enough that people would come to help right away. Like, <laughs> we're in a dire situation Clearly at this you're, point. you're like, having an issue. Please come help. Yeah, at this point, it's a dire situation. Like, do whatever you gotta do. They lowered down to about 20 feet above the water, at which point the helicopter seemingly stalled, lost lift, and, quote, fell out of the sky, end quote. Oh, they Accurate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, You're correct. They descended the last 20 feet rapidly, striking the water about 20 feet from the shoreline. Witnesses watched the whole thing happen at the nearby World War II Valor in the Pacific National Monument. Let alone, you'll see the video. It's, it is, it's... Very close. Very close to the helicopter. <laughs> no, nobody's, I don't think I've seen, I mean, I've seen quite a few helicopter crashes caught very close on camera, but this one's definitely, holy crap, really close. The helicopter impacted in a slightly nose-high left bank attitude. The pilot and three of the passengers were able to immediately escape the helicopter and get to the surface of the water, but the helicopter rolled to its right and quickly sunk in the shallow water on the shoreline. About 20 feet, it sunk. So 20 feet all around, they fell 20 feet, 20 feet from the shoreline, 20 feet sunk into the water. <laughs> the middle aft passenger, a teenager, 16 years old, was briefly unconscious and became trapped in his seatbelt. 
A first responder and another person quickly and repeatedly dove into the water to try to rescue the trapped passenger. The life preserver, unsaid passenger, had been inflated somehow. Uh-oh. Not really sure how. We still They still don't know. Nobody has any idea how that happened. Could he have pulled it before they reached the water? We don't know. I mean, there's, Nobody recalls there's no that real happening. way to know that, but... Right. Nobody recalls that happening. The worst part of that is that the life preserver got tangled in the seatbelt. Oh, yeah, that's... No. The rescuers kept going in and eventually got the seatbelt cut away... And the passenger was brought to the shore where a nurse began CPR, at which point the nurse doesn't recall the life preserver being inflated. But if they were cutting the seatbelt, they might have punctured. might have punctured. Yes, exactly. Unfortunately, this passenger, the 16-year-old passenger, did pass away, and it was determined to be from drowning. That sucks. Unconscious, likely woke up, but was trapped and trapped underwater and Well, and he he still could have made it to the hospital alive. Right. And you can have secondary drowning where there's still yeah. water in your lungs. Right. And you, you can't can, get enough oxygen. You can still drown to your body. Right. So, or he was just unconscious the whole time. It didn't sound like it from the report. It sounded like he was unconscious briefly on impact, woke back up, but was underwater and there was nothing you could do about that. That's so, why, that's why I asked if all of them could get out of right. seatbelts. Yes. And that's a great question. And I don't know if it's necessarily that he, wouldn't have been able to, except that the life preserver had it, it been inflated and wasn't completely tangled in the seatbelt. So that and when you're drowning, you are probably flailing and panicking because you're losing oxygen. Yes, of course. So he could have been not with it all. Right. There's so many possibilities. I don't want to go into too many of those details because that's the side of things that we don't usually cover on this podcast for a reason. Here, I'm <laughs> going to show Miranda the video because it's very it's quick. It's so it's short. 11 seconds. It's so short. Wow. Ooh. It just went. Right. Like, it literally picks up from the moment the helicopter's basically falling straight down into the water. That's it. Damn. And, I mean, they were close. Obviously, the person taking the video was... Close. Right there. Well, and the rotors were still going. They were still going, but they weren't producing any lift. We'll talk about that in a minute, but that's kind of the whole issue. That's why he felt like he stalled, because all of a sudden, it wasn't doing anything. You can actually hear in the video where the change in RPM happens very rapidly, and that change in RPM did not produce lift, which is very telling. So, not to give too much away. So We're actually going to break here. We're going to take a break here, because the second half doesn't have much to fill. So, break, break. Break, break. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right. A few things that I'm a little worried about before Mm -hmm. we begin the analysis, Mm -hmm. because I realize you're just reading from the report. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Number one. Yes. When the sound happened and he decided to go back to the airport, Mm -hmm. he was like, oh, it stopped. It must have stopped. But I feel like that shouldn't have been a, oh, it stopped. It fixed itself. I can agree with you, but this is a little bit of, again, like, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But my other issue is why didn't he, when it happened again, Mm -hmm. given I understand he doesn't know why it was Mm -hmm. happening. I get that. But. It makes me a little concerned that he didn't say pan, 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 Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it might not have been a mayday, but 
to let them know, like, we need to come in now. Right. There's clearly something wrong. We can't just wait. If anything, it's actually probably a good thing that they didn't because they were able to land somewhere that was readily accessible. And there was a first responder. Right. And ultimately, it actually, that that part didn't really affect anything anyways. Yes, you could have said that, but it wouldn't have gotten them to the airport <laughs> because they didn't have that kind of time or distance. And all of this happened in seconds. And more than likely, that frequency was probably tied up because it's a major international airport. So he probably didn't even have a chance to say anything. We don't know. But he was also two hands on the controls just trying to keep that helicopter from nosediving any higher than well, it already did. Even if, like, let's say the whole thing happened anyway, mm-hmm. which, like, yeah, it probably would have happened exactly like that, even with a pan, right? Because mm-hmm. he didn't even get to the... Yeah, yeah. To, to where he could, like, even go back to where he, they wanted him to hold, right. right? But I just find it interesting that he didn't make that call. Mm-hmm. I really think it's just because it was a matter of time. Like, he really, he had two hands on the controls and he was just trying everything he could at that point when he realized everything was going really wrong to just keep it under control, which first rule of being an emergency is fly. <laughs> yep. Don't make a call, like, just fly. And he was flying until the moment it hit the water, so just trying to get control. Not saying he did the wrong thing. No. I'm just saying it's interesting that he didn't make that call. And as a matter of fact, the investigators actually placed no blame on him, which we'll get to. No, right. this sounds definitely mechanical. So. Okay, so this investigation was performed by the NTSB. That it was. Wait, isn't Aliska the one that has a grandfather that worked for the NTSB? I don't know. Yes, I think you're right. I can't keep Was your grandfather the one that investigated this? Is that why <laughs> you asked us to cover it? Because <laughs> he, he covered the Hawaiian Airlines one. That's right. Oh, but, yeah. And his time at the NTSB probably didn't span that long because this one was just in 2016. Don't know. Well, you never know. Could have. I have questions. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So this analysis, first of all, this aircraft was not equipped with, nor was it required to be equipped with a FDR yes. or DVR because it's Nuda. a helicopter. Right. Turns out they didn't really need it all that much. No. No, because <laughs> they had the pilot. He was still alive. And, yes. and they had the aircraft. And they had a video. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you want? So, this analysis is very brief to the point I can't even really summarize it. So, here's me winging it and reading from the report. Sorry. I'm not very creative today. I am also sick. Right. But it is also just that simple. Things happen and the report doesn't have too much more to say about it. And what's going to happen is I'm going to read it. Miranda's going to stare blankly at me and Nick's going to translate. I'll try. Post-accident examination of the helicopter revealed that the engine-to-transmission drive shaft was separated at the transmission side. Metallurgical examination of the engine-to-transmission drive shaft components revealed that the forward coupling did not appear to be lubricated, and that there were multiple indications of exposure to elevated temperature, such as heat tinting and loss of the temperature plates on the forward outer coupling, high-temperature cadmium-induced brittle fracture of the two forward attachment bolt heads, and a loss of hardness of the bolt head material due to high-temperature tempering. The external spline teeth on the forward spherical coupling were worn down to the bottom landings, while comparatively minor wear marks were observed on the mating internal spline teeth of the forward outer coupling. The asymmetry in the wear pattern between the spherical coupling and the outer coupling, combined with the observations consistent with elevated temperatures, indicate that the assembly likely failed by overheating due to lack of lubrication. This resulted in softening and subsequent failure of the spring that limits and centers the spherical coupling. When the spring failed, the coupling shifted forward, damaging the forward end of the outer coupling, fracturing the forward cover plate, and wearing the external spline teeth down to the bottom landings. Following the failure of the drive shaft, 
The engine would have continued to operate, but would not have been able to drive the main rotor. So that sucks. Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> this in summary, because a wonderful video comes to mind that I'm sure many people have seen over the years. When you're listening to all of that and you have no idea what all of that actually means, it probably sounds a lot like that video that floats around the Internet about And I don't even remember exactly what they called it, but it is this fake video about this really technical machine and it's all these really fake terms to make it sound like it does something crazy and all these fake technical terms. So it kind of sounds like that when you listen to all this, but what's actually happening and what that all just explained in a roundabout, maybe simplified term, two things need to happen when a helicopter needs to fly. The engine needs to be running and the gearbox, much like the gearbox in your car, needs to make the helicopter then perform the function, such as flying, or as your car would do, drive. So the gearbox is literally what takes the power produced by the engine and turn it into torque that the engine then uses to produce thrust in some way, shape, or form. So so this is the equivalent of you're driving and your engine just stops spinning your wheels. So you remember when the clutch fork broke on my car? Yeah. That's exactly what happened to this, basically. Oh, when we had to push your car into a parking yeah, lot? Yeah, because remember, like, the engine was doing things, but the gearbox wasn't producing any torque because the gears wouldn't connect. Well, this is a very similar thing to that, but what actually happened in this case was no lubrication was added to part of the gearbox, which was really important, it turns, turns out, out, during maintenance. And because this wasn't lubricated, it produced excessive amounts of heat. When that heat started to get excessive... It actually caused a spring, which is what pulls the gears apart to produce proper amount of torque and put proper pressure on those gears between the engine and the gearbox. That spring, when it finally broke from heat and the bolts broke from heat, those gears then snapped together. And remember, there was that grinding sound. The gears just literally ground themselves apart till they were at the bottom and then they weren't producing any torque at all and the rotor was not connected at all to the engine by that point. Mm. So the rotor was still spinning, but it was doing nothing but free spinning which you can hear in that video, actually, in the like very first couple of seconds of it. You can hear the engine suddenly spool way up, but the rotor wasn't doing anything. It was not connected. There was no torque being produced at all. Helicopter just fell. So how would this happen, you might ask? Interviews with the pilot, the owner of the company, and a non-mechanic rated maintenance assistant. The same one, I'm pretty sure, that pulled the helicopter out of the hangar. Let me say this. Non-mechanic rated maintenance assistant, right. indicated that maintenance had been recently conducted on the engine to transmission drive shaft, even though this was not recorded in the helicopter's maintenance logs. So a non-mechanic did mechanical work and didn't write it put down. that they put the mechanical work. Great. In addition, the owner, who was a rated mechanic, was not present the entire time throughout the removal inspection and subsequent reinstallation of the engine to transmission drive shaft. Needless to say, it's not a good combination of things happening. It is likely that when this maintenance was conducted, grease was not applied to the forward coupling as specified in the manufacturer's maintenance manual. Further review of the maintenance records revealed no entries pertaining to a current annual inspection or 100-hour inspection. Which is illegal. Yay! You have to have a 100-hour... Yay! Yeah, you have to have a 100-hour inspection. Additionally... And or, and or an annual, but... You uh, have to have both. Additionally, a component inspection sheet provided by the operator revealed that several required component inspections were overdue and had not been completed at the time of the accident. Yay. Not good. Not good. Although the FAA was conducting oversight in accordance with their guidance, increased inspections may have uncovered the inadequate maintenance and documentation, which in turn may have prevented the accident. Wow, you think? There's the analysis. That's it. That's all I got. If the FAA did their job, 
this wouldn't have happened. What's we've heard, new? We've heard this one before. So now for the probable cause, because uh, that's all we have left. Yeah. That's it. That's that's. There's okay. no findings. There's oh, no recommendations. Oh, okay. This is why the second half is the way it is. The National Transportation Safety Board determines the probable cause or causes of this accident to be the in-flight failure of the engine to transmission drive shaft due to improper maintenance, which resulted in low main rotor RPM and a subsequent hard landing to water. What do you know? I mean, it slapped that water. <laughs> it did slap that water. <laughs> it slapped. I'll put the video on the website. Yep. You'll see it slapped. It slapped. So obviously I have some things to say about the fact that there's no recommendations. Hey, FAA! Because that bothers me, obviously. When there's some clearer things that should have changed. I mean, for now, one... Now, here's part of it, though. Mm-hmm. So this report came out February 22nd, 2018. The last review I can find on that group on site was March 2016, a month after the accident. They probably went... They went under immediately. Under, yeah. So it's not worth issuing a recommendation to the operator because uh, they don't operate. Right. By the time this report came out, the operator can do anything. So that said, though, you don't want this to happen at another air tour operator. Knock, knock, FAA. You also don't want this to happen to any Bell 206, which these helicopters have been around for such a long time by this point. This obviously wasn't a problem with the design. This was a problem with maintenance. So a lot of this would have been really directed at the FAA and saying, your oversight is horrible this air tour. So the last time that they did an on-ramp inspection was three years prior to this accident, the FAA. And the FAA inspector that was assigned to this air tour operator said they were newer. They were not part of that inspection the three years prior, and they had been trying to get a hold of them to set up a time to do an inspection, which by the way, as an FAA inspector, you have the right to just go and do it anytime. Yeah. You're allowed to just show up and be like, we're doing your inspection now. Right. So this is why the NTSB was kind of all pissed off about it. Because they're like, be pissed off too because they were like excuse me you were trying to what when you could have just what like when you could have just what the whole thing no, not what 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 What? so the whole thing was really infuriating because they really should have just been doing these inspections anyways like there's even the, the maintenance inspector or the yeah the, the faa maintenance inspector even claimed that he tried to get a hold of the owner of the company that morning to set up a time to come try to inspect records but didn't get a response from just but, show up. Right. So just. You don't have to be like, hey. Right. It's been three years. Like, okay, yesterday you should have been there. Like, It's not like a landlord where you have to provide 24 hour, 48 hours notice. No, it's a courtesy that the FAA can do, but actually they are allowed to do ramp inspections at any time on any airline operator, anything. If you make money in aviation, and even if you don't, even if you're just a pilot, the FAA has the right to walk up to you and ask for all records. By the way, that is a. 100% a thing. If you're at an airport and you have an airplane, it's your private airplane, you think, oh, I, I have my pilot's license, I can do whatever I want. Well, anytime, the FAA can literally walk up to you and to your airplane and say, show me the maintenance records, show me your pilot license. When was your last 100 Show hour? me your pilot license. When was your last annual? And they, they have the right to do that. You can't anytime. say no, because right. then they can suspend your license. <laughs> yep. Or I, your certificate. Yes. I have a question. Mm-hmm. If you are an A&P mechanic, can you sign off on your own inspection? You can. Yes. Like your dad can sign off on his own inspection. Mm-hmm. So this owner could have signed off on his own inspection. Correct. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. I feel he like wasn't there. you have to be an inspector rated mechanic, though. Oh. So and not all mechanics choose to do that. He might have been an A&P, but you have to have an IA, an inspector rating. And your dad Inspector does. authorization, right, which my dad does. So he can he does, do his own. He does several people's annuals and mm-hmm. 100 hours. Yep. Because does, you have, he, does he do he their 100 to, hours too? Yeah. Well, yes, but 
an annual can be done in place of a hundred hour if you haven't done a hundred hours in a year. Gotcha. So for the people that he usually does those for, they don't usually rack up on a hundred hours on their airplane in a year. So it's just an annual. I'm surprised. Uh, yes, I know. He doesn't. I'm glad he, he used to, exactly but he doesn't any. Happen. Yeah, he used to, but he doesn't anymore because he does a lot of other side work. So this is all to say that maintenance was poor in this case, and it shouldn't have been. The FAA's oversight was even worse, and it really shouldn't have been. And it cost a teenager his life. Yes, which is terrible. And people died. And people died. A person died. Yes, a person died. I'm wearing that shirt right now. So Yes, you are. So that's a thing. That's a whole thing. And rest assured, air tour operators, they generally, I mean, they really do want to try to do the right thing because it's how they make money. So Yeah, if you have a bad... Safety record. Safety record. No one's going to want to take that tour. Right. And that's why, I mean, you see, usually, I mean, air tour operators, they rely so heavily on this as a matter of fact that it really is a matter of one accident. Are FAA inspections a matter of public record? They can be, I imagine. So, like, if we, I don't know, decided to do our honeymoon in Hawaii and we wanted Uh to take a helicopter tour, Mm -hmm. could I look up previous FAA inspections of that helicopter operator? I would imagine there's a way to do that. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure how would one would go about that. If you're an FAA inspector, <laughs> either A, I would like to know, or B, hook me up, because... Uh, it's a federally funded and run thing, organization, so they have to. It's all public records. should all be public records. Show me how. Shape or form. Show me how. I want to know. Usually it probably requires a request for information. Okay, fine. I would do that. I would like to not die. You're not going to die. So... <laughs> So that was November 809018. In a nutshell, you can see why I'm mad about the whole non-recommendation thing. I mean, uh-huh. I well, think for one, good. it cuts our episode short. It does. And I do feel like there there's some more thing. There there definitely should have been some more changes, especially when it comes to oversight and then of course of maintenance practices, but you know. Okay. That's how it goes. So, trivia questions. Trivia questions. Okay. Let's do the thing. There was a few people that answered these. Tracy is the only one that got all of them correct. Ooh. Which I find to be interesting because she's one of our newer patrons. Yes. But she's been binging everything. Ah, she see, knows all the answers because yeah. she's been binging everything. That helps because that means you have the information more recently. Yes. So number one is what state is the podcast based out of? It's Colorado. Yes. Did anybody else get that one right? Who else answered? I mean, Bob I did. think Bob answered. Bob usually does. I think that they were the only two that did. Okay. But Bob definitely got that right. If you're just a a normal listener, you should really subscribe to this newsletter because it's free. It's easy. It takes two seconds. And then you should answer these trivia questions because it also takes like two seconds. Just send us a quick email Um, or message or anything because we want more participation. It'd be more fun. Bob did get that one right and he spelled it in an amusing manner. Yes. (laughs) He said Colorado. Colorado. And um, David, you are not wrong. We, We are from a state of confusion. Yes, a state of confusion. Oh, yeah. He had, like, <laughs> silly answers to the question. Uh, I like that. I like that. Uh, what is Miranda's least favorite airport? That would be LAX. Yeah. I f- hate LAX. Oh, best plane spotting in the world. Uh, yes, agreed. The outside is great. <laughs> the yes. inside is the problem. I hate the inside of LAX. Bob also got uh, this one correct. And also, bonus points, got Nick's least favorite airport correct, which is also my least favorite airport. Newark. Newark. Yes, Newark. Uh, just wait till we take you through Newark or JFK. Uh, 
I've LAX, been through JFK. LAX will look like a shining star. I hate JFK yes. too, but I hate LAX more. Just wait. There's more. There's so much more Just in those places. Just wait, which segues nicely into the next question. Yes. What is Chrissy's favorite musical? You tried, but failed, Bob. I appreciate you trying. It's a it's a good bet, though. It was, it was a, a really, really good... You had two very good guesses. And to be fair, there's a reason why... <laughs> so, Come From Away is up there, obviously. Aviation. Hamilton, definitely up there. And but, that one, I understand why people answer that, because that's... I literally just quoted fr- Hamilton. Frequently quoted on this podcast. However, neither is the correct answer. No. no. The correct answer is Phantom of the Opera. Which ends on Broadway today, the day we are recording this. Tragique. This is... So for those of you that needed context for when we're recording this, if you look up the last day that Phantom of the Opera was on Broadway, that is today. Yes. Trivia question for you. How many performances on Broadway has Phantom of the Opera had? I have no idea. No. 13,981. Wow. Cool. And we went to one of those. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not you. Nope, not me. I went to Matilda instead. Matilda was, Matilda's a good musical. Okay, but Phantom. Yes. Was great here in Denver. I have been obsessed with Phantom since I was 12 years old. Obsessed. I am serenading Nick at our wedding with one of the songs. Fantastic. And then what craft are Christy and Miranda currently working on? Now, that they have been <laughs> interrupting the podcast with. To be fair, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bob said diamond painting, and occasionally it is diamond painting. Occasionally that does happen. But currently, currently, it's cross stitching. It is cross stitching. And you guys, <laughs> unless you hear. The blooper reel. Right, the you blooper reel for this episode alone. You <laughs> will not hear my pulling knots out of my fabric. Or running into the microphone. Or or listen to this blooper reel because Miranda got a hell of a knot and just hands two, it to me. Two knots, apparently. It became, it was actually two knots and I got one of them out before I gave up on the other. And then I got the other one out. But yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know how. I also got a huge one at the end. But I just kept going. (laughs) Sheer perseverance. Nevertheless, she persisted. So there's that. Okay. There's that. So there you go. Those are the four trivia questions. The answer to the four trivia questions for this month. Um, There'll be four new ones for May. And if you would like to answer any of those, those will be in the May newsletter, which will go out toward the beginning of May. Sometime at the beginning of May. I try to do it May, like (laughs) the first of the month, but sometimes I don't get to it by then. I get it. We do have one listener question, which I don't think we've a- answered on the podcast. Okay. I think we have, like, inadvertently. Okay. But but this is from Elisa, or Elisa, depending on if you're European persuasion. Okay. Okay, so I already have the three ducks signed by you three, but does Paige sign ducks? LOL, I'm starting a duck collection signed by, the, by, signed by people like my favorite podcast host, or people that guest are on my favorite podcast, and my friends. So, if possible, I would love one signed by Paige. So there you go, Paige. This is a call to action. (laughs) You now have to sign some ducks. Yes, and Paige, I'm sure, would love to sign some ducks for you guys if you want a Paige duck. Email us if you want a Paige duck, because I don't think there's a way on the duck submission form. I can I Is there, can we add a comment box to it? Or check here if you want a Paige duck. Yeah, (laughs) I can fix it. If I remember, I can fix it, because it's pretty easy to do. Although Squarespace has been pretty stupid lately, but... Yes. I will try to make sure there's a place on there where it's like, would you like a page duck? And you can go, yes. Yes, I do. Or no. No, I don't. Which would be lame, but also... But do it. Because Paige is also one of our, you know, partners. 
in crime. They're not they're, always on the podcast. But they, but they are, are the powerhouse. The <laughs> they are the powerhouse behind this podcast at this point. They're the reason you get content every Tuesday. <laughs> they, they, are, they are the powerhouse behind this podcast. They are a, also they really like are. quality hype person. They you are. ever need hype. Yes. The hype is real. Page, page. Yes. But page, no one has a pager anymore. <laughs> <laughs> People who are stuck in the 90s, maybe. Oh, God. And on that note. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear some uh, fun blooper reel stuff, you got to be uh, at least a $5 patron to hear the Quality reel. content. Indeed, um, indeed. And also hear post episodes. Indeed, stuff. indeed. And you can listen back to previous blooper reels. Any that contain Brendan are quality laughing material. July yes. 2021 is literally <laughs> the best blooper reel. I listened to it after it came out and I started cackling because freaking Brendan and Nick, when they're together, is just so much. Oh my God. Just don't live with the two of them. I'm, I'm they started singing the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. It's, it was pretty great. I, I have to say it was quality content. I feel like I have to go back and listen to this sometime because I don't remember any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just know it was July and and it was the July that he had just finished taking over for you. Mm, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But you need to be a patron to check that out. So this is my, my weekly call to action. Patron plug. That's Join right. the Patreon. And there's like multiple ways for you to support us other than Patreon. You can support us on It's No Longer Anchor. It's uh, Spotify for podcasters. Spotify for podcasters. You can go on there and support us if you would like. It looks like Spotify, but purple. Yes. <laughs> and you can also buy merch. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can share us with your friends. Like a whole bunch of stuff. We do appreciate you guys listening every week. Share it a little bit. Get the word out. Maybe someone else who you don't think would like us would like us. And again, if there's things that you would like us to do like if there's recommendations for ways that you would like us to engage with the audience more which is something that we avidly try to do let us know we will give things a shot yep and you can also like message us email us there's a story link on our website that you can listen to listener stories you can also submit your own if you would like to yep we don't have quite enough for an episode just yet so we need a couple more so if you would like to mm -hmm. submit a story please feel free to do so and questions if you have any questions about anything feel free to ask those and there's a tab on the website for that as well indeed and if you need to know where to find the website it should be in the description of this episode it is because i've started putting it there yes <laughs> anyway Thanks so much for listening. We hope you have a safe and healthy week, and we'll catch you all next week. Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hard Landings Podcast and on Twitter at Hard Landings Pod. Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen. If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at hardlandingspodcast.com, where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions. This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy and edited by The Lovely Page. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo. And our logo is by Naomi. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.